1: America, a nation conceived in liberty like no other nation in history. For hundreds of years, people from all over the world have come here for freedom, religious freedom, economic freedom, freedom of opportunity, but something is destroying America's unique liberty. Folks, there is an addiction out there that is destroying America, and no, it's not opioids. No, it's not alcohol or tobacco or even porn. The disease that is facing America, the addiction that is destroying our unique liberty, is socialism. How is it that more and more Americans, especially younger Americans, are embracing socialism and communism? These ideologies are very different from those established by the founders of our nation They are economic and political models that make this nation more and more like other nations in Europe and elsewhere, and less and less like the Americas so many have given their lives to protect. Well, the reason might seem remarkable to some. You know, during the Cold War, there was a lot of fear in America about the spread of socialism, communism. Now, most Americans today have come to think that the threat was overblown. But just look at how widespread and mainstream socialist ideas have become in America today. If you look at the 2016 presidential campaign, if it were left to children, American, under the age of 30, we would have had the most renowned socialist Bernie Sanders as our president at that time. His radical plans to multiply the power and size of government are still extremely popular among millennials. More and more Americans want the national government to run health care and other major sectors of our economy. This is a huge change in our nation's thinking, and it has happened pretty quickly. It is possible all the concern over communist infiltration might have been justified. I believe it was justified. This might sound like some kooky conspiracy theory to some, and and your friends and neighbors are going to tell you that you're crazy, but you don't have to look hard to find evidence that communism is influencing America today. The political left is actually pretty open in advocating communist policies. When you look at the leaders in the Democratic Party today, they got their education from universities that were heavily influenced by communist thinkers. In 1970s, there was actually a KGB agent who defected from the Soviet Union and exposed a detailed plot by the Soviets uh, to wage stealth attacks on, um, against the United States. At that time, he talked about uh, the ideological sub, um, subversion mostly aimed at American schools. Specific methods included infiltrating universities with radical leftists and establishing newspapers staffed by communists. That's not a conspiracy theory, folks. Go ask any average college professor. Ask he or she if they're a socialist or Marxist. There's almost a 90% chance he or she will tell you, yes, I am. The Communist Party USA enlisted the support of thousands of sympathetic professors. Documents from Soviet archives reveal that even after the Soviet Union collapsed, the Communist Party USA received 2 to $3 million a year from the Kremlin. If you look at uh, our... uh, Former president, two ago, Obama was influenced as youth by Frank Marshall Davis, a card-carrying Communist Party member, a man who openly supported Joseph Stalin, and who said the world's greatest threat was Anglo-American imperialist domination. Obama wrote in his biography that he attended socialist conferences and hung out with Marxist professors. There's lots of evidence exposing the communists' deliberate effort to get inside the Democratic Party. Like Paul Kenger wrote, they wanted to transform it from the party of Harry Truman and John F. Kennedy to the party of Nancy Pelosi and Obama. There was a book published in 2015 titled The Real Watergate Scandal, documents how President Richard Nixon worked to prevent this from happening. He was part of the effort to convict Algar Hiss, a communist spy who worked in the United States State Department. For that, Nixon became a target for those radical left. History shows that the way Nixon was prosecuted involved lawbreaking and lawlessness far more scandalous than what he himself had to resign the presidency over. There's a dominant message out there in the world today, especially among younger Americans. It's to hate everything that Madison, Washington, and our founders stood for and to embrace the enlightened principles of Obama, Bernie Sanders, Davis, Ingalls, and Marx. Americans today are not living in the nation of our founding fathers, or even of our own fathers. The ideas that many Americans are embracing are, more, are far more radical than what a lot of people realize in our nation today. They're just not paying attention. And we didn't arrive at this moment in history spontaneously we need to recognize the, uh, what the millennials feel is wisdom in socialist and communist thinking. The fact that these ideas have become so popular is a result of a deliberate and successful strategy that was aimed at bringing down the land of the free and the home of the brave. Socialism has always existed in America. America. Uh, It planted its roots in the United States in the late 19th century, just as it did in Europe. But it remained, for the most part, a secretarian movement, predominantly German immigrants who conducted party business, newspapers, journals, and conferences in their native language. And the turn of the 20th century, socialism in the United States broadened its appeal. And more of its um, people who believed in socialism spoke and wrote in English. It attracted more militant trade unionists, former populists, social gospelers, academics, and intellectuals. And a leader who spoke the language of reform and even um, spoke about revolution in the, in the native veracular, that leader, Eugene Victor Debs, had traveled a, uh, a route to socialism by the way of the Democratic Party politics. Traditional craft unionism, radical industrial unionism, populism, and this utopian um, socialism that he filled his oratory more with biblical citations and phrases than Marxist terminology. He gave allusions to the promise expressed in the Declaration of Independence, than to the Communist Manifesto, and he held his audience spellbound, whether it be in small towns, rural communities, or even large cities like New York. The party that Deb spoke for and for which he campaigned for the presidency four different times in 1904, 08, 12, and 20 formed a national convention in 1901. The convention brought together a number of groups including Jewish and other urban immigrants who had rebelled against Daniel DeLone's control of the Socialist Labor Party. So this party grew and grew and grew in America. Beginning in about 1910, the economic and political universe appeared to shatter, offering wide opportunities for socialists. Between 1909 and 1913, mass and sometimes violent strikes swept across the Western world. The United States included in New York, Philadelphia, Baltimore, and Chicago. Mind you, these are all centers of democracy, what the Democrats call democracy. They've walked away from the republic long ago. You look at the centers of the ready-made clothing industry. Needle trades workers walked off the job to win higher wages, improved conditions, and union recognition. Their victories led to rapid growth in membership among unions that tutored their ranks in socialist doctrine. Now, there are a lot of people that will argue that unions were amazing for America, but they were also an education place for socialist doctrine. They encouraged immigrants um, to become citizens and ushered them to polling places to vote for socialist candidates. In cities with rising membership in garment industries unions, most notably the ladies' garment workers, the clothing workers, the cap and hat makers, and the fur workers, socialist votes increased. Simultaneously, the most radical labor organizations ever to arise in the United States, the industrial workers of the world, emerged from obscurity to lead two general strikes in the textile industry, Uh, the 1912 uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts Bread and Roses Conflict and the 1913 Patterson, New Jersey Silk Strike. These strikes, these recruiting of immigrants to become citizens increased the socialist um, numbers in the United States. This was part of a plan a unique plan of communist and socialist nations across the world to make um, America a socialist nation. Nationally, the presidential elections of 1912 established the presence of the Socialist Party as an electoral force. Debs, in his fourth race for the presidency, drew almost a million votes. That was in 1920, or about 8% of the total. In 1914, the party had elected two members of Congress, Victor Bergen from Milwaukee and Meyer London from Manhattan. By then, the party counted a membership of over 100,000 men and women who paid regular dues and committed themselves to the party principles. Unlike Democrats and Republicans, who typically were only nominal party members, the SBA continued to print hundreds of newspapers and magazines and to maintain a significant political voice. This voice grew and grew in cities like New York, Pennsylvania, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Dayton, and Toledo, Ohio, Illinois, Berkeley, California. Do you see a common link between these states and the democratic states of today? Socialists remained a potent influence in the labor movement. At least one-third of delegates to the 1911 uh, convention were socialists by conviction or party members. Socialists acted as part of the general wave of a reform sentiment sweeping the nation associated with progressive era. Indeed, one of the more notable progressive reformers, Charles Sprague Smith, an influential New York progressive and founder of the Populars People Forum, wrote to the socialist leader Morris Hillquit that what I feel about socialism is that it is a very important element in the whole progressive movement. In the 1912 presidential election, 75% of voters chose change in one form or another. Only 25% opted for the candidate of status quo, William Howard Taft. The vast majority cast ballots for Debs, Woodrow Wilson, the eventual victor, or Theodore Roosevelt, who ran as a progressive outside the Republican Party. Equally remarkable was the uh, Socialist Party's attraction for leading intellectuals. Literary celebrities and artists. The membership list for, for Local One of the New York City uh, Socialist Party, which spread from Greenwich Village through Chelsea on the west side, read like a who's who of the city's cultural elite. Among its members at one time or another were the novelist Theodore Dreiser, writer and editor of Max Eastman, and his sister, the lawyer, journalist, and feminist Crystal Eastman. The painters John and Anna Sloan the journalist Mary Heaton Vorse, notable female reformers Florence Kelly, Francis Perkins, William English Walling, Robert Hunter, J.G. Phelps Stokes, and the young Walter Lippmann. These socialists started to grow, and Hollywood took shape as a socialist place who controlled media. Wherever the socialists established municipal power or influence, the party constructed an alliance with local unions of skilled workers. Once in power, the socialists delivered clean, efficient government services, they say. In the case of Milwaukee, this led to its reputation as the nation's healthiest city at one point. Unlike many of the progressive competitors, the socialists did not seek to disenfranchise or disempower poorer citizens. They wanted to, and they convinced poorer people that they were doing good for them. They built a constituency that spread across the length and breadth of the country. There were branches in Oklahoma, in Kansas starting to pop up, East Texas. You wonder why Texas is becoming more socialist. Party leaders cultivated their relations with affiliates of the AFL despite periodical condemnations of socialism by a Gompers and his closest associates on the Federation's Executive Council. you got to understand the gospel laid down by their party leaders, Morris Hillquit, as he drew from the writings of Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, reads as follows. Quote, I am firmly convinced that the success or failure of our movement will ultimately depend on our ability to win the support of organized labor. We cannot assume that the organized workers are constitutionally inaccessible to the teachings of socialism. If we do, we might as well give up all hope of ever winning power or influence in political life. You have to look at the mentality of socialists, the simple truths and hard dilemmas. It's easy enough to know what socialism meant for party leaders. They express their beliefs often enough in speeches and writings. But it's harder to determine what socialism meant for the members and the millennials today. In simplest terms, socialists believe in production for use, not profit. Solidarity in place of individualistic um, struggle for advancement. Humankind as the maker of society rather than natural law as the molder of humanity. Injustice rather than wealth as the foundation for society. In brief, a social order in which the ties that bind people together were stronger than those which separate them and in which actual material equality replaced formal or false equality. For many socialist voters, the more uh, aspects of their politics, job security, better working conditions, clean government, superior public services, in other words, gas, water, sewer, socialism, attracted their devotion. And it was a political movement that, again, in the words of Hillquit, has changed its practical methods somewhat. It always does. It learns from experience. It is not any more conservative today than it was 20 years ago, even though people like AOC tell us that it is democratic socialism now. Yet, the Socialist Party struggled with immigration, race, and feminism. They were basically racist. They never resolved these satisfactorily. An organization that drew support among newer immigrants and their children... They resisted most attempts to restrict immigration that were aimed at uh, immigrants from the east and south of Europe. Socialist doctrine taught its adherents not to draw distinctions among workers of the world who were united in the second international. Their racial beliefs, dominant among trade unionists and even among many socialists, drew a firm line that separated Asian immigrants from others. Denying them the right to immigrate to the U.S. Some socialists, like Victor Berger, supported Asian exclusion in racist terms, but others, like Hillquit, rationalized such a polity by maintaining that if coolie laborers stayed at home, they uh, labeled uh, Asians coolies, they would intensify class conflict and impel revolution in their homelands. Racist uh, sentiments also limited socialist inroads among African Americans who remained concentrated in the states, uh, former slave states, or in urban squall. Socialist branches in the South were called Jim Crowed, and the vast majority accepted only whites. Uh, The party... Um, equivocated on the woman question. Women found much more opportunity to serve in the SPA as speakers, writers, and party officials than was the case in both the two major parties. Unlike the Republican and Democratic parties, uniformly demanding woman suffrage and campaigned for it, still all too many of the men who dominated party leadership and formed the bulk and rank and file believed that women's place belonged at home. Well, the socialist movement in America basically failed. They couldn't get launched off because of patriotism in the United States. People still were very patriotic in our nation. And they fought against communists and socialism because of World War I, World War II, and other conflicts and watching what was going on in the world. People paid more attention. So the Socialist Party began a plan to take over the Democratic Party. That brings in the people like Bernie Sanders, AOC, and others who are outright advocating for socialism. They recognize that the Democratic Party held more closely to their beliefs and that they had the minorities that the Socialist Party rejected. They had the African-Americans They had the women. Even though they firmly don't believe that these people deserved equal rights or equality, they wanted to bring these people in to their fold. This was nothing but a trick to take over America. Hollywood bought into it. The mass media bought into it. The unions bought into it. What controls our government today? But there are massive mistakes being made by millennials and socialists that uh, most people don't understand. Large numbers of Americans are open to socialism in our nation today. Um, Alexander Zubatov wrote, and and he was an immigrant, he wrote an article uh, and did a Gallup poll, um, years ago that showed 43 percent of Americans now believe that some form of socialism would be a good thing. In contrast, the 51 percent are still against it. This was back in 2010. A Harris poll found that 4 in 10 Americans prefer socialism to capitalism. This trend is particularly apparent in the youth. 68% of people between 18 and 29 in 2010 approved of capitalism, with only 51% approving of socialism. Fast forward to 2018, while the percentage among the age group favoring socialism was unchanged at 51%, those in favor of capitalism has dropped to 45%. The same poll showed that among Democrats, the popularity of socialism stood at 57%, while capitalism is only at 47%. A marked departure from the 2010 poll when the two were tied at 53%. A YouGov poll from a few years back showed that unlike older generations, which still preferred capitalist candidates, 70% of millennials and 60% of Generation Z's would vote for a socialist. The question is, why socialism now? At a time when the American economy under um, our former President Trump was chugging along great, why are so many hankering for an alternative? There are reasons, and we'll get into those reasons on the backside. Remember, if you like these shows and like what we're talking about you need to share on your social media, Instagram, uh, everything else that uh, you can do. Because folks, we have to stand up and educate people to what is going on in our nation today. Uh, This is a severe problem. Now, we have sponsors that come on our show. And sponsors are during the breaks. And one of those sponsors is Healthy Cell. And I want to talk about Healthy Cell. You can find it on the America Out Loud uh, website. Now, Healthy Cell is for the proactive people. Most people don't care about their health until it becomes too late. I was one of those. I'm using two of the Healthy Cell things because I don't like drugs, narcotics to get me to sleep. I'm using their REM sleep and it's good for focus and recall and I'm using their immune super boost uh, targeted support and I am feeling better than I did all through my 30s and 40s right now. So uh, you need to check out Healthy Cell if you care at all about your health. Uh, Healthy Cell is an amazing natural product that is for the people who care about their health and want to be proactive in their health regime. If you like walking or working out or or just feel that you're losing a little of your flair that you had in your earlier days, uh, I would say that a healthy cell could be a good alternative for you to look at. We'll get more into socialism and the addiction that is killing the America as we know it. The America the Founding Fathers intended for us to have is going away, folks. And we have to stand up and strike back against this socialist movement or we're going to lose our nation.
2: Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us these cells determine how we feel perform sleep focus and how long we live and to live our best life all we have to do is feed ourselves but most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential make every cell count with healthy cell Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com. H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off.
1: Today, America stands at the crossroads of history. Our actions will determine the fate of our nation. Well, that journey starts here and starts now. We invite you to join us in making the ultimate difference. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, Turn notifications on and stay in the know.
2: You'll find all that back at AmericaOutloud.com. Liberty and justice for all.
1: Welcome back to America's Deadliest Addiction. No, not opioids. No, not alcohol. Not tobacco. Not porn. Socialism. America's most deadly, deadly addiction. And why is it becoming more popular, especially among the younger generations, 35 and under? The first cause of socialism's popularity, especially among the young, is an obvious one. An ignorance of history, folks, having grown up in a time after the end of the Cold War, the collapse of the Europe's Eastern Bloc, and China's transition to authoritarian capitalism, the kids today, those between the ages of 18 and 35, who were born around the last decade of the 20th century, don't know anything about socialism and what it's all about. When they think socialism, they don't think Stalin— They think Scandinavia. Americans, especially the young Americans, ignorance of history is well-documented and profound. As of 2018, only one in three Americans could even pass a basic citizenship test. And of test takers under the age of 45, that number dropped to 19%, folks. That included such lowlights as having no clue why American colonists fought the British. They believe that Dwight Eisenhower led the troops himself during the Civil War. Speaking of the war during which he actually led the troops, many millennials don't know much about that one either. They don't know what Ostowich was. 66% of millennials in particular could not identify the camps, the internment camps the Nazis used. 22% 22% of them had not heard of the Holocaust itself. The Battle of the Bulge? Forget it. Go back further in time, and the clueless just keeps deepening. Only 29% of seniors at U.S. News and World Report top 50 colleges in America. The precise demographic that purports to speak with authority about America's alleged history of white supremacy have no idea that, what the reconstruction of our nation was all about. Only 23% know who wrote the Constitution. So much for any notion that this is the most educated generation ever. Closer to the theme, socialism, the same compilation of survey results included the uh, uh, Communist Manifesto, from each according to his ability, to each according to his need, to Thomas Paine, George Washington, Moreover, among college-age Americans, through support for socialism is pretty high. When these same young adults are asked about their support for the actual definition of socialism, a government-managed economy, 72% turn out to be more for a free market economy and only 49% for government-managed alternative. Yes, it looks like from those numbers, like there are a lot of confused kids who are in favor of both Mutu- uh, a mutually exclusive uh, government-controlled and a free market-controlled. As compared to about a third of Americans over 30, only 16% of millennials were able to define socialism. Even CBS, the New York Times poll, uh, although I haven't seen polling on this, I'd be willing to bet that a good bunch of these same students, is, if asked to say what the Soviet Union was, would have no clue or peg it as some sort of vanquished competitor of the Western Union. Compounding the problem further is that the history of the students are being taught increasingly falls into the category of woke history. America's history of oppression as imagined by the influential revisionist socialist historian Howard Zinn. When socialists are writing our history books, the end result is preordained. We're going to lose our nation and our freedom. We have such ignorance and systematic distortion of history. Is it any surprise that millennials who never lived through very much of the 20th century don't think socialism is all that bad? The second factor why socialism is so popular is government bungling. When we try to explain the socialist urge, we cannot lose sight of the fact that our government keeps interfering in the economy in ways that give people every reason to think That the system is corrupt and needs to be trashed take the skyrocketing cost of college for instance on the surface this looks like greedy capitalist universities just keep on raising tuition and since most colleges kids and their parents can't pay the sticker price 70 percent of students take out loans saddling the young people trying to start their careers in a mountain of debt before they ever graduate the result in all those socialist promises of free college or loan forgiveness sound dandy, don't they? Yet, where are they, Biden? Where are all the promises you gave these people to get elected? There's no money, right? Underneath the surface, a huge part of the problem is federal grants and subsidized loans. If the government stopped footing a large part of their bill, more students and parents would be forced to keep uh, to pony up which would mean in turn that colleges would not be able to keep hiking their prices without seeing the drop in enrollment. They would instead be forced to price themselves at some level that applicants could realistically pay, making college more affordable for a large segment of the American middle class. Another simple example of the problem was when Obama was in charge, the Emergency Economy Stabilization Act of 2008 known as the big bank bailout. When kids grow up seeing the government tossing out free lifelines to businesses that get themselves in dire straits, cause a massive financial crisis, and in the process lose ordinary folks, lots of jobs and homes, we can't blame them for concluding that the system is rigged against them. There are many more examples where these came from. Our government fretting away trillions on foreign wars that increased instability throughout the world and end up costing us even more as we scramble to clean up our own messes in one expenditure that comes readily to mind we have to understand why millennials are clamoring toward socialism and let's look at it from the doctor's office to the workplace the federal government is taking on ever more responsibility for managing our lives at the same time americans have never been more dissatisfied with washington seeing it as intrusive, incompetent, and wasteful giant. Why is it the government's fail? Uh, It is because that everything government has tried to do has failed. The war on drugs, the war on poverty. All of this has failed. In fact, poverty has gotten worse since the federal government has gotten involved. Uh, Pretty sad state of affairs for where we are in the world today. There are a lot of things that uh, go wrong, but socialism is becoming more and more popular among our children. Next, you got to look at the universities. The supporters of socialism are not simply the young, but rather disproportionately among the young who are college-educated. And the more college they have, the hotter for socialism they get. According to a poll that was done clear back in 2015, support for socialism grows from 48% among those with a high school education, got to get the number here, to uh, 62% among college graduates, to 78% among those with postgraduate degrees. Those on the left probably stop thinking hard, about now and jump immediately to the conclusion that support for socialism is just a natural outgrowth of big brains and elite educations. But there is, in fact, a less obvious and ultimately far more compelling uh, explanation that also manages to account for the general fact that more education um, with the left uh, is bad. It's happening at universities themselves to pull students towards the far left. We are letting our colleges teach our children that socialism is good. We've seen above what's not happening at universities, even elite universities today in a whole, uh, a lot of educationism in important subjects like history. What we are getting instead is a lot of groupthink and indoctrination. Universities have always skewed to the left, but beginning in the mid-1990s, uh, Diversity began to vanish entirely as the leftward deviation turned tidal. A guy named Stanley Rothman wrote a document in 2005, as of 1984, 39% of university faculty were liberal, left, Marxist, socialist. Only 34% in 1984 were considered conservatives, constitutionalist. By 1999, uh, there was a shift, a massive shift, where 72% were socialist and 15% were constitutionalist. The imbalance has grown since that time. Uh, Professor Michael Langbert of Brooklyn College tracking the political registrations of 8,688 10 year tracked PhD holding professors from 51 of the U.S. News World Reports. 66 top-ranked liberal arts colleges for 2017 found that 78.2% of all academic departments um, had zero Republicans included in it. They block them out. If you're a Republican, you cannot get tenured at a college today. Predictably, given the composition of the uh, professors, also indicated that students' political views drift further leftward between freshman and senior years. They become more socialist as their years in college increase. This is very negative for Americans today. We have children leaning left because they're being taught to lean left. And you want to talk about systematic racism, conservatives are the most, most attacked group in the country today. Christians and conservatives. Factor four in why millennials are embracing socialism is we have coddled our kids. Uh, The young have always been more inclined to embrace pipe dreams, right? A lack of familiarity with complicated way in which the world actually works, coupled with the college fix described above will do that to most anyone. But there is a reason the mindset of today's young'uns is particularly susceptible to the red menace. Uh, There was a book that came out a way back, The Coddling of the American Mind. The prominent social psychologist Jonathan Haidt and Fires Greg um, described the species of overprotective parenting and instilling of baseless, uncritical self-esteem by parents and educators alike came to prevail as kids were growing up in the 90s and 2000s. When we're raised in the belief we are wonderful just as we are, with no room for improvement, we never learn the critical life skills of self-soothing, working through anxiety, facing obstacles, overcoming adversity. The predictable result is a demand to be safeguarded, safe spaces, free speech crackdowns, and so on. The state appears to many as the appropriate institution to provide this sort of safety. The four causes of primary causes of socialism, rapid surge in our midst, then the next logical question is what to do about it. What can we do to fix this, right? We need solutions, not just complain. There's no easy answer. I can't tell you, but I'd suggest the radicalization of academia is the linchpin of the issues we're facing. If we could succeed in reversing that tsunami, many dominoes would fall. We would be addressing the university's monoculture that systematically distorts research, sends students fearing hard left, and graduates generations of left orthodox clones who find their way into journalism, government, education, and entertainment. Issues factoring into socialism rise, government policies, educational philosophy, and the manner in which history is taught, Many observe that our universities are in crisis, but the crisis that people are ignoring is left-leaning professors and not hiring conservatives, not teaching history the way history should be taught. Part of what's going on in America today, too, for the second massive, um, people are waiting, leaders are paving the way right now for a massive economic crisis within a generation Regulators are starting to ease the rules put in place after the economic meltdown that led to the Great Recession a decade ago. The Fed, for example, wants to loosen requirements for big banks to have plans in place to close in an emergency without requiring a government bailout. Congress and regulators are making it easier for those same banks to make the kind of high risk loans that led to the last economic disaster. The government last year rolled back the Dodd-Frank law that enshrined many economic protections in the law. It is also becoming more and more difficult for the American uh, average American to live life sustainably. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day. It was really interesting. I grew up in an era where minimum wage was like 275, 475. But you could go and buy a bag of burgers at uh, a fast food place for a buck. So it didn't take much as wages have increased to $15, i went out to eat at a hamburger place, shared fries with my wife, and we were talking $25 for a meal. A same meal that you could get when you were making 4 bucks an hour for 75 whatever it was for a couple bucks now cost you more than 2 hours of your wages instead of half. So, just because wages go up, if the cost of everything goes up threefold, We're in a worse condition than we were when we made less money. America's education system is set up in such a way that for many, getting an education means going deep into debt. A National Review writer mocked a young woman's story about how she nearly avoided medical school because she wasn't sure she could shoulder the cost. The free market's biggest defenders are the same people trying to uh, exacerbate its flaws by taking away things that uh, the millennials feel they need. Um, a lot of it uh, was the hatred that came out of our former President Trump by the mainstream media. The mainstream media painted that the party of capitalism, conservatives, uh, Republicans, constitutionalists put Donald Trump in the White House. And everybody from who the left idolizes, the millennials idolize, the people who created Facebook, Twitter, and all these other things attacked President Trump. Uh, It wasn't uh, industrialists. It wasn't people who created. It was about a president who, in their terms, inherited his wealth, blew much of it, oversaw numerous failed businesses, and still managed to fail his way into cultural stardom, and become the president of America. Want socialism? Kick the grown-ups out of the White House and put in charge a walking, talking reminder that uh, capitalism is often a rigged game, is how the left portrayed our former president. At its best, they say, capitalism can create broad wealth and a strong middle class, but capitalism in America is far from being at its best. Instead, the system has let money, property, power and opportunity accumulate mostly at the very top of the food chain. But it's the same people that these millennials idolize, the Steve Jobs, the Mark Zuckerberg, the Bezos, the Bill Gates, that are forcing our children into socialism, that are taking advantage and stealing um, money from the American people. A lot of people believe that what I'm talking about on the show today will seem like a manufactured right-wing conspiracy, right? Uh, to any politically moderate or conservative student, it's a living reality of what's going on in our nation today. While socialist and Marxist-influenced ideas have spread throughout the corridors of America and thus led to the election of such prominent democratic socialists like AOC, Bernie Sanders, Hillary Clinton. They don't realize just how deep an impact Marxist ideas have made culturally, namely on college campuses. I keep going back to college campuses because this is the weapon that we need to utilize. We need to take back control of our schools. The Frankfurt School was a movement of far-left European philosophers who sought, among many things, to apply the ideas of Marx in a socialist context. They wanted a critical theory, critical race theory. You've heard of it, right? The Frankfurt School rejected objective truth and the historical records of humanity and objected to any form of objective knowledge. According to Claudio Corradetti of the University of Rome, this can be said at the Frankfurt School on the basis of um, changing history, the woke culture. Throughout Western history, society has been rooted in the principles of objective truth. That's what conservatives seek. Uh, The great philosophers like Plato, Aristotle, and Locke all believed in some form of objective truth that guided society. Much of America, believe it or not, was produced by Judeo-Christian thought. Uh, It is objective truth and objective reality. However, objective truth or reality of any kind is no longer the current fad in America. Uh, You can look no further than Boston University to find courses with titles such as Dismantling White Privilege, Power, and Supremacy. Any course that attempts to influence guilt for one's ethnicity is subject in nature. Considering the debates on sex, sexuality, and human psychology... There is arguably mainstream societal acceptance that there are more than two genders. They are trying to influence us that truths don't exist. Where do all these ideas originate? Primarily college campuses. Everything that originates and even gets to Hollywood on critical race theory or, um, you know, not having, uh, a gender starts in college campuses. Most socialists, and this is the real confusion that our millennials have, and this is how I'm going to wrap up the show today, they believe that the government can run their lives and run it better. The Government Accountability office tends to prove that fact wrong. They release a report that deems federal programs that are ran poorly. Those high-risk programs are what the GAO deems to be extremely vulnerable to fraud, waste, abuse, and mismanagement, putting billions of dollars of taxpayer money at risk. You look at the veterans' health care, which has been found to be plagued with fraud and mismanagement. Federal IT acquisitions, which the GAO added in the wake of the healthcare.gov fiasco. When President Obama came into office promising to run government more effectively and responsibly, just like the guy sitting in the White House today, the GAO has added even more programs to its high-risk list and has taken off just three during Obama. They, this report is over 300 pages, so I can't go over the whole 300 pages of what is an issue in America today. The government spends $80 billion each year on IT investments and that they too frequently fail or incur cost overruns. Other examples is the IRS pays billions in fraudulent refunds to people who don't deserve them every year. Medicare wastes over $60 billion a year in improper payments to doctors and hospitals. Medicaid made over $17.5 billion in improper payments. The first year after Obamacare came in that was going to make waste and fraud go away. Obamacare had a 22% increase in waste and fraud and abuse one year after it was implemented. The U.S. Postal Service piled up $10.5 billion in net losses year in, year out. And this list goes on and on. I recommend you go there. Amtrak, the National Railroad Passenger Corporation, does business in American parts of Canada under the name Amtrak. It runs hundreds of passenger trains daily over more than 21,000 miles of track. It employs 20,000 people. Back in 2014, it had nearly $2.2 billion in revenue from the service of 31 million travelers. Now the Amtrak is publicly funded and operated as a for-profit enterprise, it has failed. Uh, the United States Department of Education, the Federal Department of Education began in 1979 after a Democratic president, Jimmy Carter, signed it. Its mission was to promote student achievement in preparation for global competitiveness by fostering educational excellence and ensuring equal access. But since then, it has wasted money, according to the GAO, The current cabinet-level department is broken into 30 different offices with no offices knowing what the other offices are doing. It has destroyed the education system of America. The Environmental Protection Agency, another failed program on the GOA's list. NASA, the Internal Revenue Service, Social Security, the Drug Enforcement Agency, DEA, the Department of Agriculture. These are all... Areas where the GAO says the government has failed. And this is hurting African-American families. Over the past 40 years, according to K. Sue Jewell, who was um, a sociologist and assistant professor of African-American studies at Ohio State University, argues that the liberal and conservative policies that started in the 1960s have damaged black institutions without bettering the plight of the disadvantaged. Um, There was always this belief that Democrats would save the African-American society, right? That they were the party for um, African-Americans, Many people have debated that African Americans' lack of success in American society was because of their race or because of their lower social class. Jules said the problems that middle class blacks face today show that it is indeed that um, political parties have damaged um, their race. Trying to improve them has hurt them. Millennials today don't realize what Johnson's Great Society to Eliminate Poverty and Promote Civil Rights has done to America. We look at what's going on in our nation, and our government is not the solution. We need to take back our colleges, right? We need to fight for conservative teachers in our nation today. If we do not start standing up for liberty, for freedom in our Constitution, we're going to lose it within 10 years. We've already lost most of it. They do not want a conservative to win an election again. They will not hire conservative professors. Racism against conservatives or Class hatred against conservatives or Christians is the problem in America today because they don't want truth being taught in America's woke society. Truth has no place in our media, in our entertainment, or in our schools. We have to start pulling our kids out of publicly funded schools and start going to more constitutionally prepared youth. We have to take a stand against the evil that is taking over our nation, folks. Only you can do it. Share these shows. Look at other hosts. America Out Loud exists for the cause of freedom. Find hosts you like. Share it on your Instagram, your LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is. Share these shows. And thank you and God
0: bless.